Shaq, let's just say that a uh, snake bit your mom right up here, right in the chest area. Would you be willing to suck the venom out to win the title? No, but I will with your wife. Hope we can win a game. And we're in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Hello, and welcome to the Pick and Roll Podcast. My name is Bill Golden. Alongside me, as always, will be Kevin McLernan. Kev, as we promised, the first round of the NBA playoffs is over, and we are here to discuss a little bit of that and look forward uh, to the uh, second round and the rest of the playoffs. How are you feeling uh, about the first round so far? I mean, I'm happy with it. I mean, we predicted a lot of sweeps and a lot of uh, quick series, but luckily we got to see a couple game sevens and and a little, a little upset from the predictions. Yeah, I think um, I, I don't remember the predictions off the top of my head. But as usual, we we were accurate in some regards and inaccurate in others. And there was the a lot of unforeseen injuries so far in this year's playoffs. But let's start with uh, a series that was actually a sweep. That was uh, the the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Detroit Pistons series. Actually. To be honest, it was pretty competitive. Uh, the Cavs only won Game One by five points and Game Four by two points, but Detroit just could not find a way to win a game in that series. Yeah, I mean they're a young team, and I mean we both picked Cleveland to win this series. Uh, I, I had it going six games. I thought Detroit would win a couple at least, but uh, at least they were competitive and they got some playoff experience. Yeah, I think that's important for, for them going forward. Obviously, Love and Irving played really well in the series. LeBron, I don't even know if he led the way in scoring in any of the games. Uh, they just played all around really well, and they got the job done. And like I said, uh, my prediction was a sweep because LeBron's teams always show up to play, and it's not just LeBron. It's the rest of the team, and they really stepped up in a big way. Uh just looking at Detroit, I don't think they should be too disappointed. You really want to win a game in this series, but they have a lot to look forward to next year. Uh, the only player I think that they might lose is Drummond. He's a restricted free agent. Uh, they already have uh, $73 million committed to players going forward next year, so there is a little bit of wiggle room uh, there as well. Um, for me, though, they really need to solidify their bench, and, and I think they need to grab a power forward if they can in the offseason. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the position they're missing right now because I mean, you can have Morris who can go to the four, but he's really not a four in this league and that can bang down low. Um, so they definitely need to have somebody that can play alongside Drummond, like you said. Yeah, Drummond is an excellent player. They just need to get him a little bit of help. Uh, but For the floor, too. Right, exactly, yeah. Um, so let's just move on again to the uh, Atlanta Hawks-Boston Celtics series. This one went totally opposite of the direction that I predicted. I think you also had Boston. Uh, this this series was a long one. It didn't actually end up going to seven. It went to six games, uh, a back-and-forth series, uh, pretty exciting. I mean, Isaiah Thomas dropped 42 points in game three. Uh, it was just unbelievable. I mean, Millsap dropped 45 points and 13 rebounds in game four in an overtime loss. So there was some exciting stuff going on in this series, but the Hawks ended up coming out on top. Yeah, another, another young team that got playoff experience in Boston, but... 
that they just couldn't score the ball. I mean, uh, Avery Johnson got hurt, um, or Avery Bradley, sorry, <laughs> uh, in the first game, I believe, and uh, and that really hurts the team. Um, not that that's an excuse for them losing. They, they should have come together and scored the ball. I think in game six, they only had 33 points at halftime, and that's just not going to win playoff games. Absolutely. Uh, I was kind of disappointed in Boston, to be honest. I thought they... Uh, obviously, I predicted they would win the series. I thought they were a stronger team than this. You can't lose one guy, especially somebody who's not like a superstar, and kind of fall apart the way that they did. I was super impressed by Atlanta. I mean, we know what they are. Uh, and honestly, they, they showed that in the final game, game six. All five of their starters uh, were in double figures. This is exactly the way the Hawks want to play basketball. Everyone contributes a little bit. No one, no, no one, Not too much burden on one player. Like I said, when Millsap had the 45 points, they ended up losing the game in overtime. And I guess there's some rumors swirling, uh, not rumors, but some people are thinking that Isaiah Thomas might be a guy that could step up and be you know, the best player on a team that could compete. He looked really explosive in some of the games. There's obviously the question about his height. I mean, what is he, five foot nine? I mean, do you really see him as someone that could lead a, a franchise to a championship? Well, luckily for this franchise, they may not need him to be since they have Brooklyn's pick uh, this year, which I mean, could uh, reasonably win the lottery and get Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram. So um, they're set up pretty well that they may not need Isaiah Thomas to. Um, I would guess that he can't be that type of player. I, I would rather have him as like a number two option on the team uh, to be convinced that they could compete. Yeah, I was gonna say if he's the if he's the number two team, two number two guy on a team, that team's probably gonna be pretty good. Uh, they only have $52 million committed in cap space next year, so they have a lot of wiggle room. Um, they have uh, Zeller and Sullinger, resicted free agents, and Evan, uh, Evan Turner is uh, unrestricted free agent going forward. Uh, from, yeah, uh, I actually would recommend keeping him around. Uh, he can't be your leading scorer. He can't be your second option. But as a third or fourth option, I mean, he's, he's a really good player still. I just never liked him as a number one a number one guy, I think he just he, he gets a little bit out of control and he tries to do too much. I mean, he's really talented, but he can't he can't handle that much pressure. And this is another team I think that needs to get a good power forward or, or center down low. Yes, I mean I I think they'll bring Solander back, and I, I don't really know what position he is. Uh, he can bang down low and he can also shoot the three. Um, but I would assume that they would go forward in the draft uh, rather than a guard just because of how guard heavy they already are. Yeah. But I, uh, I guess that, that all depends on where the, their pick ends up. They'll probably take the best player available anyway. Yeah. I agree that they should lean towards power forward or center, but yeah, I mean, it, it's all about your drafting strategy. I mean, it depends on who's left and, and what position they're picking. So that kind of remains to be seen. Um, I think a player like Ben Simmons uh, would fit really well on that team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, where, I mean, where, where doesn't he fit well? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, I guess I'm comparing to a team like the Sixers where I think he would fit much better with the Celtics. Okay, I see what you're uh, saying. Than a team like the Sixers. Well, let's uh, let's keep moving forward here. We got the, the next series up was the Toronto Raptors and the Indiana Pacers. This series went all the way to a Game 7. Uh, went back and forth in the beginning, 2-2 two and two after five games, and then all the home teams won after that pretty much uh, almost exactly how you expect this series to go when it goes goes to seven games. Yeah, and it was a great series. Got to see Paul George uh, really become the player he was a couple of years ago before his injury. Uh, so that was good to see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I picked this 
to go to seven games and go to the Raptors. So I was expecting this to be a pretty competitive series, and it was. Yeah, you were 100% on point with this series. I was way off. I expected, obviously, way too much out of Toronto. I mean... You picked the, a sleep, right? Uh Either that or five games, yeah. And, I mean, I think it was a sweep. I think you're right, yeah, because Indiana had won game one, and I stuck with the, with the sweep because I, I didn't want to change it because I saw that. And I still felt pretty confident about them winning the rest of the games, but DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry were absolutely absent in several of these games. Uh, just, just totally unexcusable. I think one of the most eye-opening quotes was uh, their coach, Casey, who came out after game seven and said, of Miami, we've kind of been watching them out of one side of our eye. I mean, come on, like you need to pay attention to the, your own series that you're currently in. Clearly, their focus wasn't a hundred percent on Indiana if they were already kind of paying attention to what Miami was doing. Uh, kind of weird to expect Miami to come out of that series, which is which was uh, which we'll get into in a minute. But it wasn't necessarily a guaranteed thing like a, a Cleveland versus uh, you know a Cleveland a one seed whatever you know advancing. So I just thought that was was kind of weird for him to say. And and I mean it it shows you I mean a lack of focus. But I mean credit to Indiana. Uh, Paul George, like you said, he looked really good. He sometimes doesn't score that many points, but man, he does it from from everywhere. He gets rebounds, assists, steals. He's a he's just a great all around player. And keep an eye on Miles Turner. Had a great rookie season. Really came on late. Um, I, I think he's going to be a good player if he keeps developing. Yeah, that, it was a big deal when they when they started him in Game Four over Lavoie Allen. Uh, he had seven rebounds and two blocks in that game. So I think he'll probably be the starter for them going forward. Uh, just looking at the rest of the team, they have a few guys um, that are unrestricted free agents, including Ty Lawson. Um, not really sure what to do with this team going forward. They have less than $60 million committed next year, so they do have cap room. I think maybe they could try to attract uh, a big-time free agent to play with Paul George. Not sure who that would be, but I think this team is, is really close to being uh, being able to take one more step forward. Yeah, and Monte Ellis is getting up there in age, so um, their time frame on him is getting is definitely closing. Yeah, they need to take advantage of him while he's still uh, able to play at the level he's playing at right now. So they need to make a move, I think, in this offseason. And, you know, if you want to keep George around forever um, and really do something special with him, because I think he could be the player, the best player on a championship team, you're going to have to put some more help around him, obviously. And this team is, is obviously close. I mean, they went to seven games with the two seed. Um, they probably wouldn't have got out of the next round anyway. But still, I think that... Uh, one big piece could really uh, elevate this team. Um, but let's move on to the Miami Heat and the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, this series was a little more interesting than I had imagined it being. Uh, and I think it went to six games with Miami. I'm sorry, seven games. Miami actually found themselves down three and two going back to Charlotte and somehow found a way to win the series. Yeah, I'm really disappointed in Charlotte going back. Four games fixed, kind of close that out, and then they lose by 33 in Game Seven. Really bad going for them. Um, so yeah, I mean, I expected a lot more out of a team like that with Kemba Walker uh, trying to close out in Game Six. Yeah, I think that's the thing that's disappointing. I mean, looking back on it, you wouldn't say them losing in seven was really disappointing, but the way that it it went down because they were up three to two going home, it wasn't like they were down three to two and then forced to Game Seven. Uh, and I think that matters when you go back and look at the series. Uh, I know there was some talk about what they wanted to do with Kaminsky. Uh, supposedly, Michael Jordan and Patrick Ewan both told Coach Clifford to put Kaminsky in the post. It seemed to work for a little while, but Hassan Whiteside really, to me, was was the biggest part of this series. I mean, he had a couple games 
where he had uh, double-digit points and uh, you know a lot of rebounds, 13 one game, 18 in another. Uh, he had he had multiple block shots in multiple games, almost every single game actually. Uh, he just looks like he can be a heck of a player, and he's making a case for for the Heat to pay him max money come uh, the off season. Yeah, I mean he's a monster down low and really caused trouble for Al Jefferson trying to score, uh, which really uh, hurt Charlotte because I mean without Kemba Walker, that's that's where their offense goes through Al Jefferson. Uh, I mean, with a player on Whiteside trying to cover him, it really uh, made their offense uh, stagnant at some points. Yeah, I mean, you got to give credit to Miami the way they came out in Game Seven, winning by 33 points. It's just unbelievable. Uh, it was a full team effort. Uh, Dragic actually led the way in scoring at 25, uh, but you could see from game from the tip. I think uh, they they had video of Dwayne Wade supposedly crying during the national anthem. I think he was probably just sweating, but what do I know? Um, also very interesting is the the uh, calls in some of the games. Wade was really upset after their Game 5 loss to Charlotte uh, at the refereeing in that game. And, uh, you know, the, the NBA came out and said it was a no call. Uh, it was the right call. Sorry, the no call was the right call. And uh, he, he just uh, seemed to move on from it. Uh, he's a vet, and right after the game, they were asking about it, and he had already calmed down. And I think it was his veteran leadership that really uh, made the difference for Miami in this series. And then that's the biggest advantage for Miami going forward in these playoffs. They have, especially in the East, uh, I mean, all their experience. Um, I mean, Chris Bosch didn't play in the series, but he's still with the team, I believe. Um, is, he, is he going to the game still? Yeah, he's been at the games. Uh, I think he wants to play, but the Heat are the ones that are not sure if they're going to let him play. There's yeah. a lot of speculation, like I said before, the Heat and Bosch. It's all hush-hush, so no one really knows what's going on. It is possible that he could return, but no one really knows you know, what that would look like. And you know, the, Really, we don't know the chances of that or anything, so everyone's just kind of speculating about it at this point. And if he comes back, I mean, he's not going to be effective. He doesn't have the stamina, so it'd be very limited minutes out of him. Yeah, I would assume he'd come in as a role player. I mean, right now he's basically just a guy that's leading in the locker room, uh, you know, lending his you know experience to some of the other players, including Hassan Whiteside. I, you know, there's a chemistry question now too. I mean, the, the Heat didn't play amazing again against Charlotte in that series. But, you know, you throw in an, a guy that hasn't played with the team in a while, it could kind of mess up the flow of things. But I think they'd rather have Bosch even if he just does just come off the bench uh, going forward. But we'll see what happens with that. Uh, looking at Charlotte towards next year, they have less than $50 million locked up. So they have tons of cap space to play with. Marvin Williams, Jefferson, uh, Courtney Lee, Batum, and Troy Daniels are all unrestricted free agent. Jeremy Lin has a player option. Uh, not really sure what, what the rumors are with him and exercising that. For me, I would try to bring back Batum and Jefferson and then go get somebody to play power forward. That's a little bit better. I like their starting five outside of that position, and I think their their bench is decent. I think this team could be good if they can just get one more solid starter. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. They've, they've been drafting power forwards. They drafted Cody Zeller fourth overall. They drafted Frank Kaminsky ninth overall. Right. So they're, they're trying to figure out that position. Yeah. But, um, and I guess, I mean, Kaminsky was only a rookie this year, so we'll see if he is their power forward for the future. But um, I, I wasn't, I mean, he, he did have a much better year than I thought he would. I, I didn't think, I wasn't as high on him as you were, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I'm not convinced he's the starting 
power forward for a championship contender. Yeah, I mean, as high as I was on him, you just kind of have to wonder. I kind of see Zeller and Kaminsky kind of similar. Kaminsky's a better player, but you think they would have went in a different direction, maybe somebody more athletic and that has different a different skill set um, than those two guys when they went to go get a power forward the next time around. But like you said, I mean, he is just a rookie, so I guess only time will tell with that. Um, well, let's look. We just wrapped up the first round of the East, so I guess we can look forward to the to the next round. Uh, the first series to talk about, Cavaliers are playing against the Hawks. Uh, that matchup, I personally think Cleveland will win in five. I'm going to agree, and I think Atlanta's a better team than they were last year. I, I mean, they, these two teams met in the conference championship, and I believe, was it a sweep last year? Uh, I will look it up right now, but I, I think it was a sweep last year, yeah. If, and if it wasn't a sweep, Atlanta maybe won one game. But um, I think they're a better team this year. I think they win a game in Atlanta. Um, so I'll say Cavaliers in five. But, I mean, if they keep playing the way they did uh, with Love and Kyrie playing that way, it could, it could be a sweep. Yeah, it was the conference finals last year, and it was a sweep by the Cavaliers uh, last year in the playoffs. I, with you, I actually also think that it could be a sweep. If Kyrie and Love continue to play the way they did in the first round, they could easily sweep this team. Uh, I'm not trying to discredit Atlanta. They are really good, but I just think the Cavs, when they're, when they're rolling in all cylinders, are a much superior team. The one thing for Cleveland, though, is they relied a lot on the three when they're playing against Detroit. That's not a good strategy for them going forward. I don't think they shoot it that well. Uh, they did in one of the games. They shot it particularly well, and I think they tied an NBA record for threes made. But, you know, they can get hot. They have players that can shoot, but I wouldn't do that. I know that they were doing it because they were playing against Andre Drummond, but I just wouldn't I wouldn't exercise that as a strategy for them going forward. Yeah, I mean they're they're not uh, a team like the Warriors or the the Spurs uh, a couple of years ago when they were shooting three after three. Um so they they can't depend on that shot consistently. Yeah. Uh and then the other series is the Raptors and the Heat. Uh my pick in this series and I'm having a lot of trouble with this. Just because, you know, both teams kind of ended up going to seven games in the series before. Um, and, you know, neither team looked as strong as I thought they might look in the first round, which really makes me, I, I just don't know what to do with these teams right now. I guess I don't have a good grasp on on how good they are. I'm going to lean towards Miami in seven. I know that means they have to win in Toronto in game seven. But this is the safest bet, I guess. Maybe that's a, a weak uh, a cop out, but I, I think that's the pick I'm going to go with. I'm going to go Miami in six, but I'm also not very convinced. Like you said, both these teams went to seven games because they were playing inconsistently in each game. Uh, So the the way DeRozan and Lowry, like you said, played uh, and shot the ball, it really worried me uh, for them going forward, and that's why I'm picking Miami. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things I wanted to key on is just the the Lowry-DeRozan thing. If they play well, they can make this a series and might even be able to win it. But if they don't play well, Miami could easily win this in five games. They can't play the way they did in the last series and expect to be competitive. Miami is a much uh, better team than Indiana is. Um, and so if those guys don't show up, they're really going to struggle. I know Valanciunas really bailed them out in a couple games. That's not probably not going to happen because, you know, like you mentioned with Whiteside, the way he was able to play defense against Jefferson, I'm sure he could do a much better job against someone like Valanciunas. And then, of Very course— more players. Right. The, yeah, I mean, they're both, they're both kind of panda down low kind of players, Jefferson and Valanciunas. So, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Valanciunas is much younger. 
Um, and I would say much stronger at this point than Al Jefferson, but I, I think Whiteside can do a very solid job on him. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I was going to point to the fact that Jefferson's been in the league longer. He's got a little bit more savvy, and he's, I think at this point right now he's a little bit better of a basketball player, but you're right. The youth and the strength, uh, you know, maybe a little athleticism could make a difference there. And then, like we, we mentioned earlier, the, the, the return of Bosch could really throw a wrench in this series if that happens also. So it's going to be a fun one. Uh, definitely, and it's going to be a lengthy one. I think we, we both agree on that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I could easily see it going seven. Yeah. All right, so let's let's turn the page to the Western Conference, uh, look at the Golden State-Houston series. This The Western Conference is not nearly as interesting as the East as far as this round. Uh, going forward, obviously, it's, it's really dicey, but let's just talk about the first round. Uh, you know, it was actually a five-game series. Golden State ended up dropping a game. I know I predicted all sweeps. I was extremely disappointed in Golden State in Game 3. I think Houston's bench, by the way that they reacted, were also extremely disappointed by the result of Game 3. Uh, they all wanted to go on vacation and go to play some golf. But Harden dropped 35 and a game winner with three seconds left uh, to prevent that from happening. Also, Draymond helped them out by dribbling the ball off his leg. Yeah, I mean, there was only, what, one set left when he got that, too. So there there wasn't a high probability that the Golden State was going to score then. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, that that reaction by Houston's bench said it all. And, uh, I mean, even though they won that game, it, it didn't make the series competitive. No, it didn't. It it didn't. The the other games, I think the next closest game was nine point win in game two. The other games were all about 30-point victories for Golden State. Uh, Howard and Harden, I, I was kind of not so disappointed in, in them. I think that they they played uh, pretty decently in most of the games. Uh, Harden had some really good games, including uh, in Game 4, he had 18 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds, and 7 steals. I don't even know how that's possible. Um, but Golden State was too much. They scored 41 in the third quarter in that game. But, you know, it's just these guys are not – I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the bench or something, but these guys just don't have it and. and we're going to see if, if Dwight Howard even comes back next season to them. Oh, no, I would assume that's the last game those two play together. And Harden and Howard. I don't, see, I don't think we see them again on the same team. Yeah, they also have Jason Terry, uh, Smith are unrestricted free agents. Monty Yunus and Jones are restricted free agents. I would bring those two guys definitely back. Uh, but, man, this organization, they're really, they're really it's embarrassing. And I think that they they – they have something good here. I think some of the bench players, but I don't know. I think it's going to take a, another really good player, probably two, uh, to make this team really competitive. Yeah, I mean, and this was the team everybody was a fan of, all their analytics a couple of years ago, how many threes they shot. Yeah. Um, Maury, Maury was a genius. And, I mean, they should have never made the conference finals last year. The Clippers right. uh, blew that uh, game, game six, I believe. They were up big. Um and yeah, I mean, there's this team is just very dysfunctional right now. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's like you know, even though Howard and Harden show up and may play decently, like the rest of the team doesn't know what to do with itself because they they realize what's going on. It's just an awkward, weird situation. It's just kind of hard to watch. I mean, like I said, the bench reaction tells the story of the whole season. I think. And it's just a mess going forward. I mean, we'll see where Howard ends up. I think someone is going to make the same mistake of paying him again. I don't know who that's going to be. But, I mean, really, people need to learn their lesson with him. 
and and for Harden, I mean, I think he needs to do his best to try to attract somebody, uh, somebody big to come play with him again. Uh, but I think it's going to take more than one player for them to to make the transition to to get a lot better going forward. I mean, how, how close do you think they are to being a championship type of team? I guess it all depends on your opinion of Harden, and I think you know by now I'm not that high on him as a lot of other people are. So right. I think I think they still have a ways to go. Um, definitely, I think Harden can be the best player on the team that can compete, but um, I, I think you need another star and and. A, a top 15 player kind of star. And, I mean, so uh, it's going to be hard to attract a player like that to Houston. I agree with you. I think think Harden is really good, but he's not the type of guy who can kind of carry a lot of guys. He's going to need a significant amount of help. He can be the best player. I mean, he's one of the best players in the NBA. But I, I just don't see him as a leader either. I don't think he has that that quality. But anyway, let's, let's go ahead and move on to the next series. This was uh, the Clippers... Uh, and the Portland Trailblazers, very surprising outcome, I guess. You know, if you if you knew this was going to be the case going in, but really the series was kind of odd. I mean, credit to Portland, they did win Game Three. Lillard had 32, McCollum had 27, uh, Plumlee had a weird game: six points, 21 rebounds, and nine assists in that game. Uh, as as Portland won that game, and then in Game Four, Chris Paul breaks his hand; he's out for the rest of the postseason. Griffin is plays, but he's bothered by his quad, and it, it ends up uh, not playing for the rest of the series, and they end up uh, losing four straight after winning the first two in the series. And give Portland credit; they were up in games uh, four before those injuries occurred. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, uh, it's not saying that they deserve to win the series; they deserve to be in the second round because I don't think they're that good. But um, they they beat the team that they were scheduled to play, and that's all that matters. And uh, DeAndre's not the best player on a playoff team, so. I mean, once Griffin and Paul were out, the Clippers didn't really stand a chance. Yeah, I mean, the problem is he's not too much of a creator, not even for himself or his teammates. I mean, he's just kind of a lob guy, and uh, if he's in decent position, he might be able to get it to him and he can score. But, I mean, credit to the Portland Trailblazers, like you said. You can only play who's in front of you, and it kind of reminds me of the Sixers a few years back when they played Chicago, and both Derrick Rose and um, Joe Kim Noah got hurt, and the Sixers end up winning the series. Um uh, just from our experience watching that series, it was still a battle. Uh, obviously, the Sixers were a lot worse than the Bulls, but even when your two-star players are out, they have a lot of other players on the Clippers that are good, Paul Pierce and a bunch of other bench players. And I just think Portland, you know, they played well and, and they, they took care of business. But, you know, obviously this is a completely different series with, with Paul and Griffin in it. Even one of them probably, they could have won the series. But... And, you know, just going forward for the Clippers, you know, it's just disappointing this season because, I mean, you had them going really far, and who knows? I mean, they could have maybe uh, competed against Golden State and even won, and it just it just stinks not to know and now have to, you know, assess going forward uh, with the roster you have and not really know how good they were because you didn't get a chance to play everybody in the playoffs. And to your point about they have, they have a solid bench, but once you lose Chris Paul, you don't have – a playmaker like that. I mean, you have guys you can score. You have Jamal Crawford, Paul Pierce, Austin Rivers, who can, and J.J. Rennick, who can score, but they're not, they don't get a lot of assists and make plays like Chris Paul does. So that's the problem. When you have Chris Paul on the floor, it works out, but when you when he's hurt and out, it, it just doesn't, uh, it doesn't flow. The offense doesn't flow like it could. Yeah, and I mean, Griffin is like, basically a backup point guard I know when Paul's out he played a lot of kind of point guardish uh, I don't know how to describe it point forward I guess is sometimes what people say but and he did a pretty good job and I think if they were that's why I say I think if they're missing one 
they would have been okay because they would have had at least one kind of playmaker in it. I mean, obviously Griffin's not the playmaker Chris Paul is, and I think they'd rather have Paul in than Griffin for that reason. But either one of those guys, they, they could have made a real run at it. Um, just looking forward to next season, they already have $83 million locked up in salary space, which is a lot uh, in salary space, sorry, which is a lot. Uh, Green, Crawford, Mbamute, Jeff Ayers, Prigioni are all unrestricted free agents. I would try to bring back, you know, Green and Crawford definitely, maybe even Prigioni. Uh, Rivers and Wes Johnson have player options. Hopefully they both opt to stay. I think Austin Rivers is probably locked in because his dad's the coach and everything like that. Uh, but I would just keep this roster together and try to make another round at it next year. I agree, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my bold prediction for the Clippers and say Blake Griffin's gone by the start of next season. Where and where does he go? I don't know, but I think it's it's a big uh, a big player deal where they get maybe five or six players in return or something like that, similar to what uh, they offered the Nuggets. If you remember that trade deadline, right, they're asking right. for basically their entire starting lineup. Right. Um, so I think they're gonna get something like that because. They realize if Griffin goes down, um, they're going to need the backup guys. So if they can get some starters out of that trade, then I think they'll take it. You think that makes them better or worse? Well, it all depends on who they get. Um, so it's tough to say. Yeah. But um, it, it'll be different. And I think they, I think there's some people in that organization that have realized that it may not work out with what they have already. Yes. And are willing to make a change. Yes, yeah. See, I, I'm I'm a little confused by that because I, I don't see Chris Paul as the best player in a championship team, but I do think that Griffin could be. And I don't know if you agree with that. So I, I don't know that I would deal Griffin, but I guess Griffin has more of a trade value and they'd rather have Paul, who's who's kind of the, the point guard and the steady hand and the playmaker. I, I don't know. I think I would rather. I, uh, I agree that Griffin, at this point in their careers at least, uh, Griffin has the better chance of being a top player on the top team yeah well maybe i mean maybe uh, there's some other franchises out there who think the same thing and are willing to give up the farm for him so if that's true it should be a really interesting offseason to see where he he ends up and if he can change the shape of the nba i think this offseason is going to be a wild one um I, I don't think he'll be the only if he does move i don't think he'll be the only superstar that it does move as we've speculated before about guys like kevin durant and, and other guys um uh, but anyways let's let's if, move on sorry go if ahead boston, if boston either wins the lottery or gets a top-two pick. Um, that would be my guess for a potential uh, Blake Griffin trade. Yeah, see, if that happens and they they, they make that trade, would that, that wouldn't be a straight-up trade, would it? No, no, it would not. Uh, I mean, I could see Marcus Smart also coming to L.A., something like that. Do, um, do Does Boston oh. become a championship contender at that point? Yes. Okay. Uh, it, it, it depending if they just give up Marcus Smart in the second pick, right? Uh, some like minor things like uh, and other minor things. Um, I think they yeah I think they're uh, definitely it's definitely in the East too. I mean definitely a good chance of making it past the East. Yeah, I mean they'll definitely be the first or second best team in the East. I mean barring some other stuff. I mean Durant goes to the Wizards. You know that could be really interesting too. <laughs> yeah. But we can go down this hypothetical path all day. Let's just. Uh, Let's let's just go on to the uh, San Antonio Memphis series. I mean, do we have to talk about this? Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing: every game except for one was a blowout by like 30 points. Uh, game three, Memphis was actually leading after three quarters, uh, but ended up losing the game by nine. Um, you know, I, I I'm not disappointed in Memphis. I mean, what did we expect? This is exactly what we expected, right? 
Yeah, I mean, this was the only series that I picked to be a sweep. I just, I mean, Memphis didn't stand a chance. The only reason they made the playoffs is because they had so many wins when their their players were in there, when Conley and Gasol were healthy. Uh, so when they were out, they just kind of struggled and barely made the playoffs. Um, so, I mean, I didn't expect too much. Um, I mean, I, I didn't even know a lot of the guys on the roster, so it's not really a surprise at all. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? I just, what I wonder about is whether they should come back and try at it again. Um, I, I tend to think that they shouldn't. I think that they should try to trade uh, some of the pieces and maybe start the rebuilding process. Um, you know, I wouldn't really hesitate to trade almost anybody on that team. I just don't think that they'll be able to get anyone else to come there to really put them over the edge. So I think that they should just, it, it, like I said, we talked about this before. Last year kind of seemed like the year that they might, or you know, make a run at it, and it, or the year before, and it just never happened. And I think that at this point they're on the way down and, and should probably try to try to sell their pieces. You know, why they still have have some value. Is Gasol a free agent this year? You know, I don't know. Um, okay, because I, I remember having a discussion about whether he was going to leave or not, and I mean, he's been in Memphis for so long. Uh, since Powell played there, and I, I believe he played high school there. So, I mean, he's been there for a while. So, if he is a free agent, he definitely has some roots in May yeah, 1 to he, stay in Memphis. He's not. So, they're free agents unrestricted coming up next year. Mike Conley, Jordan Farmar, Matt Barnes, Birdman Anderson, P.J. Hairston, and Bryce Cotton. And they have team options on Lance Stevenson and Xavier Munford, whoever that is. Um, Randolph. Yeah, he's their starting point guard. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. See, that's that's not good. They actually have Marcus Saul uh, lined up until 2019 or 2018. He has a player option for 2019, so it's safe uh, okay. to say that if they want to keep him, they can. I would get rid of him. Like I said, if you're going to try to rebuild, you got to sell everything. Um, so that could be another interesting guy that moves in the off season. I mean, I'm just kind of speculating as to what they do. I don't know if they'll actually do that, but personally, that's what what, what moves I would make. And I mean, it just shows you how much the NBA has changed that we're talking about all big guys that are potentially on the move uh, when, I mean, just 10 years ago or so, big men meant everything in the league. Yeah, you would never even consider doing something like that. Um, it, you know, especially as good as Marcus Saw has been, this is another guy that really can change a franchise. I think, you know, he could he could demand a lot uh, from a team that, that needs a big man. And we mentioned earlier in the podcast a couple teams that do. And obviously there's some teams right on the edge of the playoffs that might also be able to use Marcus Gasol. Um, you know, and, and even in the little guy's game, he's still pretty effective. I mean, he really does an amazing job on the defensive end. I know he's not the youngest guy, but I think he could he could really end up getting a lot of of stuff in return for Memphis. I mean, even someone like Zach Randolph, who's kind of old, could get a few pieces back. So we'll see what the Grizzlies decide to do. I just hope that they uh, decide to rebuild because, you know, I think it's just torture for these guys to they basically go through the same thing every season. Uh, you know, they're decent. They, they get into the playoffs and they exit usually in the first or second round. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we talked about the, the last two years uh, where their best uh, chances uh, yeah. to make a run, and they just never have. Well, let's uh, go ahead and move on to the Oklahoma City-Dallas series. This was a five-game series. Dallas was able to win game two in Oklahoma City, sorry, 85-84. Uh, it seemed at that point that maybe we had a series, although 
people might take a look at the box score and wonder why on earth Durant took 33 shots uh, while he only made seven. Westbrook went eight for 22, got 14 rebounds, but they weren't able to take care of business. I mean, I think Kevin Durant was trying to make a point. There was a lot of rumors uh, flying around at that time, a lot of talk about maybe Durant's not the best player on his team, blah, blah, blah. And uh, eventually he came back around. He had 34 in game three. None of these games were close other than the one that Dallas won. The rest were all double-digit victories. There was a lot of chippiness. Durant got ejected in game four. Westbrook was in a shouting match. Even uh, Serge Ibaka got uh, teed up. And then, of course, uh, Mark Cuban... Uh, like an idiot, opened up his mouth before Game 5 and claims that Westbrook isn't a superstar, so Westbrook drops 36-12-9 on them uh, to close the series out. Yeah, I mean, it was the most entertaining uh, series in the West, I'll call it that, Just, and it wasn't because of the basketball on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that, that press conference after Game 5 was just the, the best part of the Western Conference playoffs so far, uh, where Durant calls him an idiot and they, and they start making fun of Charlie Hill in a way that might not even be in the league next year. Uh, yeah, those two, those two were definitely uh, up there for some laughs at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think that they they really were angry with with uh, some of the stuff that went on. Obviously, Westbrook doing his uh, dances with uh, some of his teammates and Charlie Villanueva getting in the way of it. Uh, he looked like he was going to think about doing it in Game One, but actually went for it in Game Two. And Westbrook shoved him out of the way. Um, so I, you know, you know, Westbrook is always kind of like that, but to see Durant, he, he kind of had a, a bad attitude also towards the end of the series. And I mean, I don't know why Cuban would say something like that. I mean, maybe he thought the series was already over and he would get his jab in while he could, but these two guys, when they're on their game, they're, they're really tough to, to team to beat. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, going to be scary if those two, uh, can play well together for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, uh, just looking at Dallas going forward, uh, they have only $61 million locked up for next year, so they might be able to attract free agent. They always are in the mix. Obviously, last year they had DeAndre Jordan until some ridiculousness happened, and uh, the Clippers were able to get him back. Uh, Raymond Felton, Villanueva, as you just mentioned, uh, Lee, Pachulia, and Power, all unrestricted free agents. Uh, Williams, uh, Dirk, and Chandler Parsons, all have player options. Hopefully... Uh, Chandler Parsons, you know Dirk's going to opt in unless he takes less money or something. Uh, Parsons, hopefully he opts in. Hopefully Williams opts out. Uh, try to keep maybe Felton, maybe not, I don't know, and then Lee and Pachulia. And if they get that and bring a point guard in, I think that they could compete. They're not a championship team, but I think they'll be better without without Darren Williams with a different you know point guard uh, running they the need show. They get younger point guard, and that's, I mean, that's just mean. They don't have a first-round pick this year, so they're going to have to go through, agent, through free agency. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, the draft this year, barely anybody has a first-round pick. Because 76ers, Boston, the Nuggets all collect, and the Suns collected them all. I think those three teams have uh, 12 picks in combined or something like that. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Chandler Parsons, obviously him coming back will be helpful. I mean, they just need to take the weight off of Dirk. Um, he can't lead the team in scoring. It's pretty simple at this point in his career. He can be your second. It'd be probably best if he's your third scorer. I think Parsons will outscore him next year, but if they can bring in somebody else that can score the basketball at a decent clip, maybe they can uh, make a run a little bit deeper in the playoffs. But I don't know what to do with this team if you're really trying to win a championship unless they think they can attract uh, a big-time free agent or possibly make a trade for someone like Blake or or somebody else that they can bring in and, and try to... Uh, you know, make a big time uh, splash move that can you know 
basically changed the face of the franchise. I don't know what they would franchise. trade, though. Yeah, that, that's the other problem. So, I mean, this is the problem they've had the whole time. I mean, they just constantly bring guys together and try to make a run at it. And it worked one time uh, when Dirk literally was the best player in the world for a two-month you know, stretch. Uh, but, you know, without that, I just don't see it happening ever again for them unless, like you said, they, they don't have anything to trade. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Dallas is uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere right now. It's going to be a playoff team as long as Dirk's there, basically. But um, it's going to be key for them if Matthews and Parsons can uh, play well next year. And like you said, Parsons opt in and stay with the team. Yeah, I mean, those two guys being your one-two, Dirk your three, bringing a young point guard, it sounds nice, but can you beat Golden State or San Antonio? You know, probably not. But, I mean— It depends on the point guard, though. Yeah, you know, that's true. I mean, maybe they do attract somebody uh, to come there that, that's a free agent. or I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, like you said, they don't have any draft picks. Maybe they could trade for some. some I, I don't know. Uh, but it's just amazing what Dirk's been able to do with all these different teams. Uh, I think it's just the way he leads and the way that they run their organization. Uh, they do it the right way, and everyone shows up to work, and they play tough, and they play hard, and, and that's it. I mean, you know, they... They they got beat by Oklahoma City because you know this just a far superior team and Parsons is out and stuff like that. But you know they they fought and and um, they have nothing that, to be ashamed of. I don't think. Yeah, I mean I didn't expect them to really compete that well with Oklahoma City just uh, talent wise. It's not even close, like you said. Right. All right. Well, let's look forward to the next round in the Western Conference. Uh, Golden State's playing Portland. A little bit of a shock there. Uh, I am actually going to say Golden State in five. I'm going to say sweep here. Okay, yeah, I, I figured you were going to do that. I actually think that if, if Damon and, and uh, McCollum play really well, they could steal two. I'm assuming that Steph is not playing. Um, if Steph plays, they could sweep, but I don't think that's a possibility. Uh, I think he's out for probably all of the series if it only goes four or five. Uh, however, without Steph, if the Warriors are clicking on all cylinders, they could definitely still sweep Portland. I just don't see that happening. I mean, they had the game that they had, uh, like game three against Houston. They have one of those games probably against Portland in Portland, and Portland probably steals one. That's just the way I look at it. But I won't be surprised if if they sweep the, the Trailblazers. Uh, the the last report that I heard is it said there's a good chance Steph plays game three in Portland. Oh, okay. Uh, but. Or at least he'll be healthy for that game. I don't know how much they're actually going to play him, though. Yeah, I mean, you don't want him to get rusty, but if he's not 100% and you're up 2-0, I don't play him. Uh, let him come in game four. If you're up 3-0, uh, he'll play him a little bit. If you are if you do drop game three, maybe think about playing him kind of full-time in game four. Because um, after he sat that one or two games in Houston, he came back and uh, he looked horrible. Uh, in the beginning of that game, shooting the ball. So, I mean, you know, in-game, the shots are different, obviously, and you don't want him to get too rusty going forward into the conference finals. Yeah, and, I mean, you got to first focus on his health. I mean, you want to keep that health, keep him healthy. But, uh, I mean, if you if you want to beat the Spurs or Oklahoma City, uh, you're going to need Steph to be on his game and, and ready to go. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, speaking of those uh, other teams, I have uh, with the San Antonio OKC matchup. I actually have uh, San Antonio in six games um, in the series. It's tough because I want to say six, but game six would be in Oklahoma City. I'm yeah. going with the Spurs. I'll, I'll say six, but it, I, yeah, I'll say six. 
Yeah, I mean, Durant and Westbrook need to play out of their minds if they're going to win any games in this series. I mean, you just saw, we already saw what San Antonio did to Oklahoma City in game one uh, the other night. It's just, their San Antonio is really good. I think everyone's hoping for San Antonio Golden State. I think those are definitely the best two teams in the West uh, right now. But OKC, I mean, I don't think they have a chance to win this series. Uh, but they could they could win a couple of games again. Like I said, if Durant and Westbrook you know play at the top of their games, they just don't have enough players, and the bench isn't good enough. And you know you could the whole nine yards. I mean, San Antonio had two games where they played thirteen guys over five minutes in that last series, and they had a game where thirteen guys scored, and another where twelve out of thirteen scored five at least five points. So they're just that's how much better they are uh, than some of the teams. And I know Memphis is really hurt, but. You know this this team. Everyone can play. Everyone can score, and they're just they're just impressive. I mean, they're so far they look better than any other team in the playoffs. It's unfair because Golden State doesn't have Steph, but um, you know that's just the way it has been so far in the playoffs. Yeah, and I I would say whenever you have two out of the three best players on the court, you always have a chance. So, I mean, Oklahoma City definitely can win this series uh, since they always have Durant and Westbrook healthy right now, at least. Um, but like you said, the Spurs just look so good right now. Aldridge is hitting that that outside jumper that he has. So um, it, it's going to be tough if the Spurs keep playing the way they are to beat them. Yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, taking a look at my picks. The only one I changed was San Antonio to six. I guess maybe uh, reading too much into the way they played against Memphis because OKC did look good against Dallas, who had all their players. Uh, but, you know, you make some good points. I mean, and, and I agree, it's just... It's just I think they're going to get overwhelmed, you know, with the talent. Uh, but going forward, just just wanted to see if you uh, still felt confident. I had I had Cleveland uh, going to the championship against Golden State and Golden State winning in five. Uh, I'm not I forget what you had. I'm I still feel pretty confident about my picks. I don't know how you feel about yours. I had San Antonio beating the Clippers in, in the conference finals. So obviously that's. No, I'm not too confident about that anymore. But I still, I still think San Antonio wins, and I have them. I had them beating Cleveland, uh, which I still think uh, would be my prediction. Okay, well, uh, obviously San Antonio would be playing a different team, but it's still possible that your final outcome could be correct. So that just remains to be seen. But it was a, a fun first round. I mean, as fun as you could ask for. A couple uh, series went to seven games. Uh, the shorter series in the West, but. Uh, some of them got pretty chippy. I mean, even uh, I mean, all of them really, almost uh, except for San Antonio, Memphis wasn't really chippy. But you know, that's you know, you don't really expect that out of San Antonio. But everything else, I mean, you know, there was some passion and some frustration and a lot of speculation about what's going to happen in the off season, which I'm super excited about. But uh, I think we'll we'll let it go for now and and enjoy the second round and we'll meet up again uh, after this round for the conference finals. That sound good to you? Yeah, and then we'll also have the NBA lottery to talk about then. Oh wow, so that's going to be a good. One. So we'll do we'll do the conference finals. We'll do a, a recap of this round. We'll do a conference finals preview, and then we'll talk about uh, I guess a little bit of of mock draft then, if you want. Yeah, and hopefully we'll be talking about the Sixers having the first and fourth pick overall in the draft. Oh man, that would be tremendous. We can debate which players they can take uh, with which way they should take with the number one pick. Hopefully that's the case. But uh, until then, this has been the Pick and Roll Podcast. I'm Bill Golden. Alongside me today was Kevin McLernan, and thanks for listening.